Welcome to the Social Pod, a podcast brought to you by Socknet 98, a network of universities sharing the common interest for social work in an international perspective. In our episodes, you will hear from students around the world studying social work and interviews and lectures from our international university weeks. Global comparisons in trust attitudes around the world today suggest very large time-persistent cross-country heterogeneity. In one extreme, in countries such as Norway, Sweden and Finland, more than 60% of respondents in the World Value Survey think that people can be trusted. In the other extreme, in countries such as Colombia, Brazil, Ecuador and Peru, less than 10% think that this is the case. And right now we are sitting in Norway, and Norway, we are on that uh, survey, we are all the way up at 70%. And 70% meaning that they say that most people can be trusted, That's the, that that statement is true. So we have Norway on 73%, we have the United States, for example, in the same survey, 40%, and we have Colombia down on 5%. And that's the topic that we're going to talk about in this uh, episode. We're going to talk about trust, trustworthiness, and also how, why it is important for social workers to know uh, about trust. And together with me uh, to explore this topic, we have... Hello, my name is Rocio Garcia. I'm an adjunct professor at California State University, Dominguez Hills, in the Human Services Department. Yeah. And also together we have... Yes, hello, Hans Hauge. So I'm head of the Department for Health, Social and Welfare Studies at the University of Southeastern Norway. Yeah. And I'm also a sociologist, or basically I'm a sociologist. Yeah. And you have also written a paper on, on uh, trustworthiness. Yes, yes, yeah. I have actually. Yeah. So uh, that that actually is what got me into the topic of uh, trustworthiness. Uh, listening to and uh, reading your article on, uh, we're going to go come uh, back to that point uh, afterwards. My name is Steinar Vikolt. I'm an assistant professor here at the University of Southeastern Norway. So uh, first of all, we need to uh, know what we are going to talk about, and the word we're using is trust. We've also been using the word trustworthiness. Uh, but what kind of uh, what what is trust as a concept? Would you say? Yeah, well, that's a million dollar question. Would you say <laughs> trust means so many things to so many people in so many different instances? But I, I think what people would generally ag- agree on, or at least academics would generally agree on, is that. It has to do with risking something. Okay. So I'm, I'm uh, having something that is of value to me, that you, um, that I entrust you with, so to speak. That uh, you may abuse or, or misuse or, or to some extent destroy yeah. for me. So, so I I take the risk that you or or an institution or, or it could be different things that you have trust in yeah. will will actually cater for my interests. Yeah. So that is really a key theme. And th- then, of course, you have like uh, the polls you refer to that w- we would think about as generalized trust, yeah. trust in general. Then you have trust in institutions, trust in people, so persons, personal trust or interpersonal trust. Yeah. So different versions of trust. And, and so there's been a, an enormous, there is an ac- enormous academic literature on, on how to sort of pinpoint what trust is yeah. and, and use it fruitfully uh, for analytical purposes but for social workers i think it's really important to engage in in sort of the academic work also on trust and and because it's so um essential to 
what you're actually going to do. You, have, you will engage in with people in different types of marginal positions, and and trust is really something that you should uh, think a lot about. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think and the first thing people is thinking about is interpersonal trust. That yes. that that the the person that I'm talking to or giving mm. services to or working with uh, should be trusting me. And I uh, and and then just at the interpersonal level, we have different kind of. Um, approaches to that mm. uh, from different kind of countries. We're talking a little bit about like in Norway, I feel that trust is there. It, uh, that's the starting point. But in other places, we're talking about you have to earn the trust. That's the starting point. Yeah, yeah, sh- sure. So that's a good take on it. And, and But maybe a little bit first, a little bit more about trust because oh, yeah. I, I think one of the main benefits of trust is that it's, it's really, let's say, cost efficient. So, <laughs> so if you trust someone, you, then you don't use time, effort, or resources to protect yourself and protect your interest. Yeah. So it's really beneficial for that that reason. And and so we, um, uh, so why is there high levels of, of personal trust in the Nordic countries, yeah. as you said, uh, with Finland, Sweden, Denmark, and, and Norway? And and prob- probably there are some historical explanations to that fact. Yeah. And because. Uh, pretty large countries, uh, at least w- when you look at um, uh, capita, uh, how many people are living within the area, yeah. s- scarcely populated areas, yeah. with uh, difficult geographical um, terrains, you know, mountains, fjords, yeah. um, cold in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> and so people really had to re- rely on each other in yeah. order to survive. They had to sort of collaborate and and also it was really difficult for any centralized state to control the inhabitants the population so yeah. so a lot of local sort of more or less self rule many places yeah. and so people had to to uh and um develop their own solutions and and from that when when Norway gained independence in 1905 because we were First under Denmark for more than 400 years, and then under Sweden for almost 100 years. Yeah. And so uh, there were no really strong or dominant interest groups. So no warrior class, no no silly rich merchants, uh, yeah. no uh, uh, clergy, no you know like the religious community that could dominate. Not the farmers. No, no one could really dominate the state and use it for use it for its own purposes. So yeah. the state sort of became a compromise between many different uh, interests. And I think that's really important that the state sort of took up uh, the interests from various groups and, and transformed it into services to the people. And so and so Norway is, is, and the Nordic countries are often turned state-friendly. Yeah. And <laughs> so because we, we sort of believe that the state is our friend. Yeah. The state and, and, and the services they provide are uh, the sort of the guarantee for our individual freedom. Yeah. So when we are in need, we don't have to rely on charity or, or family or employers or what have you. We can instead we, we have the state there as more or less like an insurance company yeah. that will take care for us. So yeah. But but Rocio, what do you think? You're smiling now <laughs> when when Hans was uh, talking about this. Because uh, that's the government is your friend. Yeah, that's such a foreign concept to most Americans. You know, yeah. the government is not your friend. Uh, you're always looking at things with very much suspicion in terms of, you know, am I gonna be able to rely on them? That's why, you know, earlier you mentioned like the starting point of trust and with 
us as being social workers, I think the starting point is how can I earn the trust of yeah. um, the clients that I'm going to be working with? Um, just because it's so ingrained in our culture, in our system that we don't trust um, the people in power. We don't trust the overall um, macro organizations that, it, that are supposed to be there to help us. Yeah. And you're talking about uh, the cost of uh, having trust or no, obviously not having trust. Yeah. How much does it cost not to do, not to trust the system or trust people? Because then you will have more and more security mechanism in society. Mm. Yeah, and I'm sure you also can can talk more about this. But I think the U.S. has, has the largest um, population of inmates in prisons. Yes, and you ha- I saw somewhere that you had 25 percent of all prisoners in the world actually within a country that has approximately five percent of the of the world's population, and of course that's extremely costly. Oh yeah, and and the sec- all security and so so we, we of course we think about security like police or the defense, uh, the military, you no, know, and things like that. But but also the systems that we put in place to to sort of control that people are doing what they are supposed to do. Yeah, and of course that has been a major development for the past decades in in Norway that more and more such control systems are being put in place when it comes to the welfare services. Okay, so t- so to make sure that sort of control that that uh, social workers health workers are are actually doing what they're supposed to do and and yeah. that they are uh, punished if they don't but so this is a development you say yeah so for sure. we come from a, a place in in the nordic country where we truly trust it is based on trust welfare is based on trust yes and 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 also the if we think of the role of the social worker then well what is a social worker or what is a professional let's say health and welfare worker well uh, of course it's um, the person is is uh, educated and and there are some pro- professional standards and and you should rely on your personal judgment in many instances and so you should be in charge you should be able to decide yeah. uh, how to adapt services to particular people um, and and still we tend to take that somewhat for granted but on the other hand, you can you can look at the social mar- worker more as an official, more or less, mm. uh, you know, an employee that is sort of acting on uh, command and and sort of just in um, uh, implementing policies, for instance, yeah. and and then you don't have that much autonomy and and that much discretion over your your work. So so certainly the tendency has been in Norway less autonomy and more. Being a public official that that is uh, that that have to that has to um, fulfill obligations uh, yeah. from from their managers and from from the political level, of course. Yeah, and also this kind of if we talk about uh, it's not only like I, I'm trying to figure out if we're all the time I'm trying to split up. Are we talking about interpersonal trust or trust in the society, generalized trust? But everything is connected so extremely much. Yes, uh, because my next point would be. Um, uh, for example, at train stations, we did we did this exercise in the university apply University of Applied Sciences in St. Pölten. Mm. Uh, we were talking about uh, trust, and we had uh, students and teachers from around Europe sitting in big wo- in a big workshop, and we had uh, there was a question like a statement: Would you on your tra- train station in your own country, if you're waiting for the train, and you're there with your luggage, would you ask a complete stranger to watch over the luggage while you go to use the restrooms? It was like a show of hands. And of course, a lot of the Nordic countries were uh, straight up there with, uh, with their hand. 
And then I remember one of our Finnish uh, colleagues, she was sitting there just laughing a little bit and she said, she said that not only my bags, I just did that last week with my, one of my kids just asking a complete stranger to watch <laughs> over the kids. Yeah. So this is kind of how we also can see trust. And Rosia, you've been here in Norway f- now for the first time for a, almost a week mm-hmm. and you've seen it. You, I know you commented on it a lot of times, like why is there just a cell phone laying on the table? Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Yes, you know, just me walking around campus with you, there were people that, you know, left their bags there or their cell phones and their keys or even in places like the restroom um, where they keep all i guess like that you know the extra things that are needed in the restroom the key was there and you will never see that uh in a restroom (laughs) in in california at least you know that's my reference point so yeah it's very um different in terms of the culture yeah Uh, and uh, but but yeah this is also one of the ways you can see it in society when you travel around and visiting other countries but but why is it important to think about these kind of stuff uh, when you're working as a social worker in your own country well because you're interacting with a lot of of people you know even like in uh los angeles our population is so diverse so one of the things that we focus when we're working with our students is being able to have them understand that you know our perspective is only unique to like our own life experiences and the clients that we're going to work with they come with their own unique experiences and we need to be able to respect that and meet them where they're at a lot of the clients that we're going to work with at least in our culture, they're not going to trust us um, at the beginning. We have to earn uh, their trust and we have to work on building that therapeutic relationship with them so that they can trust that we're going to be there to help them along the way. And that's the difficult thing that we need to build that interpersonal um, trust within a system that they don't trust. So at the micro level, we're trying to gain their trust. But at the macro level, we know that we're not trustworthy for them. Yeah, because uh, Hans, you you have done some research on this topic here in Norway with Afghan ref- uh, refugees. Yes. Could you tell something about what did you find there? So, so these were unaccompanied uh, refugees. So they came without their parents, and yeah. typically w- between the age of ages of like fifteen to eighteen. And and the ones we interviewed, they uh, all got permanent residency in Norway, and so they were they knew they were allowed to stay in Norway. Yeah, and yeah. They were supposed to start integrating, and they live in, in these more or less halfway homes we, we would probably call it you know it's it's an institution but it's also supposed to be a home and so um and then you have this uh, exactly as you s- said um uh, the norwegian so- social workers i think will they they expect to be met with trust you know yeah. and and uh, and uh but they surely did not trust them you know (laughs) and and thought that they were just there for the money and for the salary and 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 the rules they applied were you know just to to make it easier for themselves and things like that and and so uh and so they they find it really difficult to to be open about their sharing their experiences from from the country of of, uh, origin from flight you know and 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 all the traumas and, and things that often go along with it and uh, and at the same time, the, the countries they came from, uh, Afghanistan, some came via Iran, but still they were very much relying on their families. So the yeah. family was the unit, not the state, but a family. So you have to, and as they said, well, they would entrust their cousin with their lives, you know, and, and yeah, sort of more or less dramatically said that, well, I, in, in Af- Afghanistan, I would kill for my cousin and my cousin would kill for me as yeah, an yeah, extreme yeah. Yeah. And, but 
here in Norway, of course, they're, they're without their families. And even those who had families said, well, my cousin is, is different here. Yeah. I cannot trust him the way that I did back where I came from. Yeah, yeah. So, so they were sort of in a really difficult situation where they, <laughs> they were in a, in a system that's with employers that wanted to uh, develop interpersonal trust. And, 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 but they really didn't trust them because yeah. they were representatives of the system, <laughs> the state, yeah. and, and they didn't have the family to rely on. And, and, and in, in that situation, we got ever more we got increasingly interested in, in the concept of trustworthiness. Yeah. Well, so, well, what's the difference between those words? Well, trust, we tend to, th- we have some, I think many of us have some assumptions about trust, that yeah. trust is per, per definition good. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that we should have more of it. Yeah. And and that it is really basically personal. So it's it's on a personal level. So yeah. if you don't trust me, it's, it's almost like an insult, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so it's, it's um, so we tend to think, like that but but as a social worker working in a halfway home or, s- or something like that then then you're also a representative for the system yeah and then you should think about the trustworthiness of the system itself yeah and the trustworthiness of your yourself as a person because you can actually do something about that yeah so you can act in order to become uh, more trustworthy and, and and there is not that much emphasis uh, on that in the literature on social work instead of, there's a lot of almost moralizing text about uh, you as a person you know you yeah. should act like in specific ways in order to be trustworthy but that's i think to some extent missing the point yeah. it's not about behaviors it's <laughs> it's it's uh, so if i can uh, do you want me to uh, yeah, please. yeah yeah so so with the trustworthiness concept um so we have this um um English uh, uh, philosopher uh, of Nora O'Neill, who has been uh, very much uh, investigating the concept, and and she uh, so more or less talks about three dimensions. So, in order to gain someone's tr- trust, you should be competent. Yeah. So that's sort of the cognitive component. You should know what you are doing. You yeah. know, and you should be honest. So that's uh, sincere. So that's like more the, the emotional component of, of trust. And then you should be reliable, actually doing the things that you promise to do. And, and that's yeah. more the practical side of it. Wow. And, and you, can, you can work systematically on, on becoming more competent, more honest and, <laughs> and reliable. Yeah. And you can also look at your system that way. You know, The way we are organizing things here, is it really based on competence or is it convenience? You know, yeah. For instance, uh, are, are we... Uh, honest about why we are doing things and 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 is it wh- what we say these institutions are for are we actually practicing in ways that are sort of meeting those standards you know is, is it honest in that sense or is it like double communicating yeah uh, and and the same with reliability of course that we actually carry out the things do the things that we say that we uh, um, will do so so and and it makes it I, th- I think for the social worker it's it, it this is immensely practical because you can actually do something about this you can build yeah. your competence be come more honest and, and more reliable and and uh, and then it then it's less of a am I as a person good enough you know mm-hmm. which so many social workers are struggling with with I th- thoughts about that you know they are really worried that there's something wrong with them at a personal level. But but instead of em- sort of emphasizing and, and being 
very much introspective. You can instead think that you're you are actually performing a role. Yeah. And and how you perform that role, you can do. You can actually do a lot of things to to uh, generate trust and 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 so on. And and also, if um, a final point, because I think it's so important that especially these people who who come to a different country and and are sort of settling in a in a host country that they should uh, uh, I think it's immensely useful for them to to they themselves think about trustworthiness yeah you know that that you, you could more or less educate people in 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 this in in because it's so important that they are able to realistically assess whether or not someone are to be trusted oh yeah um so so it's uh, because otherwise you and we, we can see that the they are so vulnerable that they are easily drifting, you know, into subgroups that are not that good for them oh, yeah. um, because they, they have the warmth and the friendships and everything. But but um, it's not like well, sort of in, in uh, it's it's not like well, okay, we understand you. Uh, it was terrible where you came from, which is also <laughs> sort of a paternalistic way of putting it. But yeah. not here, you can be safe, sort of, and and just trust everyone now. It's it's not like that, you know. Even here, of course, there are people that should not be trusted. Okay, yeah, yeah. So and you need to teach those differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you need to to learn them because um, what we can do in Norway, because we have this high level of generalized trust, is that we can be gullible. You know, we can, yeah. yeah. But but you can't always be gullible. <laughs> you should know when when to say, I don't trust you. You yeah. know, and 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 stay away, sort of. You know, I'm, I'm not going into the relationships. Uh, with you you know and so so um and so sort of encourage them to to think about why they trust people or why they do not trust people or institutions or or what have you so uh, sort of ref reflect on that together with with uh, in this case well let's call them clients then but yeah, yeah. yeah but the, the the youth in this case yeah how did this this compare to the us uh, how uh, would it be possible to have a more a trustworthy uh, system in the US. I'm not a really, yeah. But so talk, talk about it, I, I see that is both on like the system in big in the US mm -hmm. and it, uh, with politics, but it's also on the interpersonal level. Is this doable? You know, I think when um, he was mentioning about the system and how differently it is here, you know, um, in, for example, in California, we before the prison system was known as the California Department of Corrections. And then because we wanted to move to being more like a therapeutic um, aspect of it, they changed the name to the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Oh, yeah. So they, you know, they threw in the R, the rehabilitation <laughs> piece. But, yeah. you know, many, if you talk to the inmates on a regular basis, they they don't trust uh, just the addition of that because they see that within the system there's really not much rehabilitation being done for them and for when they're coming out so that's the difficult part in terms of building that trust with them at the interpersonal level yeah. when you already know that they come and 
and they're working with you, not trusting the overall system that you should be representing or that you are representing. So, you know, a lot of the clients, you know, if they're going to say something negative about the system, they're like, oh, but don't take it personal, Garcia, you know, and it's like, no, I don't, you know, like I understand the system that we're working um, in. So with us, um, the culture is that, yes, I understand the system can probably is not very trustworthy, but I'm here working with Mm. you at an individual level. So let's focus more on the interpersonal interaction that we're having and focus on the trustworthiness that I am um, building with you. So I think that's like the main difference. Of course, it would be ideal that um, the trustworthiness aligns between like the interpersonal and the system. But unfortunately, at this time, it doesn't for us. Well, I wouldn't say it does that completely in in Norway either. I think there's a lot of, you know, (laughs) big words like rehabilitation, as you said, and, and and, and then we're not following up on that. But perhaps to some greater extent, we are. Mm. I was thinking about the prisons. Uh, actually, Michael Moore was in Norway and at yeah, the right. prison they have not far from here, which is on an island. Buster. Buster, yes. Pe- so people go there uh, in summer, you know, with, so typically mothers with their children, you know, to swim and, and there's a nice beach and everything. And, and then... Actually, prisoners, even convicted murderers, are walking around freely on that island. Yeah. Wow. And and so um, it's an open prison. It's an open prison. So I, I can't remember which which of his documentaries, but Michael Moore said he he just could not include that section from Buster Finch because the Americans would never actually would believe never ever believe it, <laughs> <laughs> it was true. It's yeah, you know, like I I can't picture that because with us it's like you know you have to walk through different fences and then the last fence that yeah. you walk through is an electrified fence, oh, so yeah. there's no people coming out <laughs> to but walk freely. But even though, like, if we just go back to where we started with in Norway, we're talking about uh, to this, uh, people agreeing with the statement most people can be trusted. Seventy three percent in Norway said that, that is that is true that most people can be trusted. You have uh, United States around forty percent. You have United Kingdoms and thirty. Uh, you have Colombia and five. But we were talking about and uh, Hans, you you told me that like in Norway, even though we are at seventy three percent, there is now also um, oh, political. Um, the the politicians want us to go back to be even more trust yes. Uh, yes. because we see the value of trust. Could you say a little bit about that? Yeah. So so the way. The welfare state has developed since the Second World War. At first, there was a lot of trust in in the social workers, in the professionals, yeah. and and then uh, sometime around 1970, uh, the politicians could see that this was becoming very very expensive. That the demands for services oh, were, yeah. were higher than than we could finance. So the, it, the model was not economically sustainable. And then you have to sort of limit who are entitled to services and then of course you have to in put into place control systems so yeah. when people are saying they're too sick to work for instance you have to control whether yeah. or not that is the case and, and things like that and uh, and so and and then of course with computers it you can sort of digitalize a lot of the control mechanisms and 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 um, and and so we as, as i talked about earlier we they have become less autonomous and more representatives of, of the system. Yeah. And there are more limits to what they can and cannot do with, with their clients. So they cannot be adapting the services to the extent that they would think would be desirable from, from their professional perspective. And and uh, and now, certainly, politicians, I think that many 
politicians say at least that it has gone too far. So there's too much control. Yeah. And 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 the budget, the money is is the, is too dominant a factor when considering what services to give or don't give. So I can give examples of that. If oh you yeah, 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 yeah. So for instance, uh, I was interviewing this uh, uh, disabled person, and she has the right to have. She had the right to have a per- personal assistant. Um, I think it was like sixteen hours a week. Yeah. And then one day she got um, um, a letter in the post saying that, well, actually now you don't have sixteen hours a week. You just have eight. Uh, and th- and th- there were no reasons were given for that, and they hadn't talked to her. And and so she she contacted um, uh, the social service office. Uh, the yeah. You know the office, yeah. yeah. And 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 asked why. Uh, and she said she was going to complain about this. Yeah. And and the the reply she got was that well yeah you can reply now you you can complain yeah. and maybe you will your complaint will win through but you should know that that means that someone else will not receive <laughs> you know that service. Okay, so so yeah. then the budget has decided how many hours uh, a week we can afford to yeah. to provide personal assistance. Yeah. So it's not driven by the needs in the population it's it's defined by the budget itself the budget. and yeah. and and that the same mechanism you can see all over the place and and so sort of interesting and and also making standardized procedures well for for different problems you know it's, so it's like yeah you're not supposed to think as much you're just supposed to do what is sort of evidence-based best practice not yeah. not not adapting to to particular circumstances or or clients and uh, and of course professionals are, co- are rightly complaining about this and, and the same are, are, are the people the clients you know that those who receive the services but and so at the rhetorical level the politicians are now talking about the, the need for a trust reform yeah but uh, but actually, they're not uh, going to <laughs> to change the policies. They're, no. they're just going to say that now we trust you more. Yeah. So it's uh, but maybe something can come out of it. It's it's difficult to know, but but it is problematic because control systems, you know, they tend to uh, be self reinforcing. So you you see avenue areas that need sort of needs to be controlled, yeah. and so they are just expanding, and and so we have. Uh, we are using at the moment an an enormous amount of resources on on actually controlling that people are doing what they're supposed to do yeah so instead of actually providing services (laughs) so so it's uh that's a good last point Uh, system yeah that's a good last point in this episode and uh, i would just like to say thank you for uh, talking about trust thank Thank you thank you